Welcome to another episode of Just Conversations with Jamal and Nate. I am Jamal Adams. And I'm Nate Sessoms. Welcome back and thank you for joining us. For those of you who might be new to this space, Just Conversation is a podcast that posi- that's positioned at the nexus of faith and all matters pertaining to, pertaining to race, justice, and Catholic education. We highlight historical and current happenings in the realm of diversity, equity, inclusion, and anti-racism, while focusing on solutions, systems changes, and amplification of voices working to create a more just and egalitarian society for all. Each episode, we engage in authentic yet provocative dialogue seasoned with critical perspectives, scholarship, and life experiences. We also conduct interviews and moderate panel discussions featuring campus community leaders. We interrogate issues related to mission and identity and answer live questions from the listeners. Ultimately, we aim to increase levels of awareness while normalizing conversations on all forms of oppression and marginalization. And we definitely ascribe to the idea that there's room for everybody in the movement. So no matter how much you know or don't know, we invite you to engage with us. After all, these are just conversations. And as a reminder, we'd love to hear your ideas, thoughts, questions uh, around um, our work, around the podcast, or things that you'd like us to cover. So please be sure to send us a note at justconversations at ignatiansolidarity.net. Again, that's justconversations at ignatiansolidarity.net. My brother Nate, how we doing? What's up? What's up? What's going on? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm good, man. 2022 is uh is in full uh its full robustness um, as we continue <laughs> to watch our country battle through the latest surge of Omicron, and we're all still trying to figure out what is normal, what is safe, what is healthy. Uh, but you know, as I always say, it's so good to be in this space with you. Um, as one of those things that helps uh, that I look forward to, that uh, it definitely helps with my mental health to be in this space. Um, and it's really good to be with our audience of folks that have been dialing in, and uh, we're really excited about the response we've gotten from this podcast thus far, and looking forward to continue to build on it. How about yourself? Fantastic. Feel the same, and just uh, dealing with the surge. Obviously, um, uh, classes are, are moving along. I think students are getting adjusted. Uh, uh, adults are getting adjusted, um, so lots happening. Um, and again, happy to be in this space with you. Happy to be with the listeners, and uh, ready for another episode. Well, you know, uh, it's a uh, you know I'm excited about kind of what we have going on today. Um, uh, but I, I would be remiss, you know, if I didn't say that this week uh, uh, I'm, I'm interested. I'm so interested to get in this space with you. Uh, there's been a lot of like social media buzz around. Uh, uh, some comments from speaker Mitch McConnell, uh, in which he was talking Man. about, uh, you know, African-Americans uh, voting at the same percentage as other Americans, uh, which really, I think, speaks to what, why we wanted to do this podcast, right? The, the othering of, of, of black folks in particular, in particular, and other peoples of color um, is really at the heart of kind of like um, why, um, you know, you and I are excited about the anti-racism work that we do, the DEI work that we do is that, you know, we're trying to tear down those walls. Yeah, I would agree wholeheartedly. I mean, I think uh, when you look at those comments, uh, you know, which I think people every day make comments and they're not aware of what they're saying. And they're in particular not aware of how what they're saying impacts other people. 
And so I think the uh, the outrage is justified. Um, you know, I look forward to. Uh, I mean, I'm hoping there's some kind of uh, response uh, from Speaker McConnell. I don't. I'm not holding my breath that, that there will be one. But uh, but I think I think I do think that uh, the fact that people are holding him accountable and and lifting their voices to to share that that what he said was wrong. Uh, beyond wrong uh, is a good thing, and I think we need to continue to do that. Hold people accountable, and uh, push them to think um, to think about what they're saying, think about the impact of their words. It's important. Amen, bro. Amen. I think you know again uh, the idea that we have multiple modes to amplify voices, obviously social media and other ways to hold people accountable is is definitely one of the the perks of 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 our twenty twenty two existence. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know, um, you know, we always, uh, we, well, I'm going to say always, but, you know, when we gather in this space, we we have a tendency to engage in uh, talking about all things anti-racism. I was thinking maybe we could take a break from that conversation uh, today. Are you, are you feeling that? How you feel about that? Yeah, man. Uh, talk to me. What's on your mind? So, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, we're in a new year. Uh, we just celebrated uh, uh, King Day. Uh, and, and just as a sidebar, um, you know, maybe it was me, but it seemed like a lot of people went out of their way to offer some type of virtual activity, uh, given the surge, um, to honor Dr. King this year. I don't know. Was that, was that, I thought it was great. How'd you feel about that? Yeah. You know, I thought, uh, you know, awareness of, of Dr. King's legacy, I feel, uh, you could find it in every corner, uh, in any media that you consumed. Um, on King Day, um, you know, I still think, uh, uh, and um, I'm thinking about, you know, Roland Martin, who's a, a kind of a personality, a mm-hmm. media personality, and, and Twitter yeah. was was tweeting all day, like, hey, if you if you putting Dr. King's words out there, and you're not really about the progress of Black folks, right. we're gonna call you exactly. out, and we're gonna we're gonna hold you accountable, and I think that goes to like what we were just talking about. So, so I think you know. What I would say to you is I was really excited to see so many people engaging. Um, I, 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 you know, I always cringe at those that kind of go to the easy space and, and, and kind of stick with the I have a dream speech and, right. and and Dr. King talking about, you know, content of character versus color of skin is their one go to quote. I thought I saw an expanse on that. But but especially in a day that we're dealing with voter suppression um uh, it seems ironic, right, that we're we're talking about Dr. King and folks are aware, you know, even individuals like uh, the late great Congressman John Lewis, his legislation that's on the floor right now um, that would um, universalize some of the voting uh, rights and and laws uh, from a federal standpoint. Um, you know that battle still goes on. You know the the news now is again, um, how do we get that legislation passed? What are we doing with the Senate filibuster? Those type of things are still really critical moments, um, not only for black folks um, or people of color, but for all Americans so that we can we can get the franchise. So um, still engaged in the fight, you know, 54 years after Dr. Have King's death, we're still engaged in the fight. Um, and as a nation, you know, considering, like I said, this legislation and, and the different states that are trying to change and gerrymander things that make it harder for Americans to vote, we got to do better. Got to do better. Totally agree. Uh, I think it's the ultimate 
sign of disrespect and slap in the face to Dr. King, the late great congressman, John Lewis. Um, you know, it's never a bad time to celebrate uh, the, the indelible legacy of Dr. King, but to see, uh, you know, this type of battle taking place uh, rooted in inconvenience and uh, black people and other people of color who are simply trying to engage in their right to vote and participate in democracy to me amounts to uh, an attempt to tarnish King's legacy. Um, and, you know, I, I, I don't know if people outside of the community, I'm sure some do, uh, I'm sure many do, but um, I don't know if, if, if people fully understand uh, the extent to which it tarnishes or it's an attempt to tarnish King's legacy. Um, and I think, uh, it's actually, this is actually a great segue into the topic that I, you know, I wanted to propose that we, we get into today. And I think the same thing happens with Black History Month, right? Which is obviously coming up. Um, and there are a lot of folks who will engage in the celebration of Black History Month and they'll feel really good about themselves. Uh, they'll have a smile on their face and they'll feel fulfilled. Uh, but they have no idea that they're just scratching the surface of a much deeper and complex history. So, uh, so, you know, you down for that conversation? What do you think? Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's do this. Let's definitely do this. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to share some of our, some history about Black History Month, some of the things that have challenged us over the years, some reflections, some suggestions um, on the way that people can engage and celebrate Black History Month respectfully. Uh, so stay tuned. We will be right back. Join the Ignatian Solidarity Network in New York City or via live stream on Wednesday, April 27th for Ignite, a celebration of justice. We'll be honoring Father Brian Massengale, racial justice scholar, and Marie Dennis, international peace advocate, with the Robert M. Holstein Faith Doing Justice Award for their years of work to build a more just and equitable world. Hear from these honorees and more while uplifting and supporting the work of the Ignatian Solidarity Network. Tickets, sponsorship opportunities, and more information are available at igsoul.net forward slash ignite. That's I-G-S-O-L dot net forward slash ignite. We hope to see you there. Welcome back. Today we're talking about engaging in Black History Month respectfully. Let's go ahead and get to our talking points. I think a good starting point is to provide some community cachet. There are some things that our listeners should know. Our intention is not to generalize in any way. Instead, our objective is to share some general knowledge from a community perspective that's intended to be helpful to anyone and everyone who wishes to celebrate Black History Month in a respectful, responsible manner. First, I think it's important to know that the idea that many in the black community are well aware of is that the month well of aware. February is only 28 days. Well aware. well aware. We think it's very obvious that there's no way, exactly, yeah. no way that we can engage in celebrating the breadth and depth, the beauty and splendor of black history in that short time frame. So, so many of us, you know, I think where the genesis of this podcast came from with me and Nate, so many of us have chosen to celebrate black history every day. This is not to diminish celebrations of other communities at all. It's really just to make sure that we continue to center, you know, our heritage, to be proud of who we are, and to know that every month is Black History Month. 
Absolutely. Very well said, brother. And, and to, me, to add to that, um, you know, and to add some anti-racist spice to the mix, um, you can view any cultural heritage month in that way, right? An anti-racist perspective asserts that you can celebrate not only Black History Month, but Latinx Heritage Month, Asian American Heritage Month, etc., in the exact same way. Uh, these months and uh, these histories should be celebrated or can be celebrated at the same time. All the time. So people should feel comfortable celebrating their own history um, and history of others uh, as often as they like. So um, I think actually, Jamal, that would bring about some balance considering the fact that the majority of us were raised learning and celebrating what amounts to white history. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, that imbalance uh, in many cases leads to in particular young people and young people of color to not know their own history. And I think that's a serious, serious problem that uh, you and I have talked a lot about addressing. No doubt about it. I mean, we see again um, so many things that are happening right now in the down uh, every day kind of around taking a critical look at history, what can be taught in classes. Um, and so no doubt about the idea that if we can offer a fair and balanced view of all our history, black history is American history. Uh, we can, all of those things, um, it's going to make for stronger citizens and students um and i think that's what we want to be about right now so a, a couple things um as we get further into this conversation some things that we think uh we really want to kind of put in as cautionary tales or things that folks should be considering and trying to avoid um are a couple cues um as you think about um what you're doing and in, in your institutions and that would be first off um if you don't feel comfortable if you can't teach it if you don't have uh, the breadth a knowledge of it, then then be careful. There's there's plenty of other ways to engage in this history. There's there's um, other authorities that you could bring to the table, um, you know, because we want you to make sure that you understand your facts, that you understand the continuum, um, and that people are able to answer questions. So so be careful. Make sure that you bring in expertise um, around um, many of these very complex um, pieces of our history. Um, we would say that um, any celebration that is at, at its surface level is just looking at food, dress and dance um, is, uh, is is doing a disservice to the month. Right. Um, we know that those are part of the celebration and no doubt about it. The, uh, you know, attaching the five senses to Black History Month, I think is always a good thing to do. But we would ask that people think about and make sure that they can provide context and depth. And that they can emphasize that there's more to the culture or even the origins of how those things came to be considered um, black culture um, are going to make for a much more robust uh, engagement for those that are participating in the celebration. And then the last thing I will leave with um, before I get to, to Nate that's going to talk a lot about the history and how the origin story of how this all came to get to be is that... Um, don't think you you know it all or have to know it all, right? Find a, a segment or something that you want to dump uh, and dive into um, deeply, right? We're just getting started in some spaces around really looking at um, the experience of black folks um, in this American history and this continuum. Um, so again, we encourage you to, to engage in this history on a regular basis and, and really to understand that black history is a continuum. It's a continuum of struggle and triumph right, of progress and backlash, that that um, as much as it oftentimes is, is it can feel like we, we are um, centering a lot of pain, a lot of hurt, a lot of things that um, 
seem um, that really get to the core of oppression or marginalization and dehumanization, um, there are many triumphs, uh, many moments of progress, many um, heroes and sheroes uh, and communities that have fought um, and pushed themselves uh, forward in the face of, of the most uh, unbelievable of odds. So um, at this point, I'm going to pass it to my brother, Nate, um, so we could talk a little bit about, again, how this month came to pass. Absolutely. Well said, brother. Um, so to get into some history, I mean, during Black History Month, um, we're honoring, we're celebrating, uh, we're centering important people and events in the history of the African diaspora. And, and, and we do this while emphasizing the central role of blacks in U.S. history. As Jamal said earlier, black history is American history. Um, and this involves honoring our ancestors, of course, upon whose shoulders our community stands, as well as the many sacrifices that they made for us to be here doing what we're doing. Um, we highlight important dates. We highlight significant accomplishments. Um, and, and again, as Jamal shared, we, we, part of that experience is remembering and reflecting upon the painful events of our past, um, as well as the types of improvements necessary to ensure our survival at one level and our ability to, on a daily basis, experience full and fair lives in this country. Um, and so uh, any history, any, any conversation around the history of Black History Month has to start with Dr. Carter G. Woodson. And Carter G. Woodson is um, the second African-American man to graduate from Harvard University with a PhD. Uh, uh, and he is known as the father of black history. Uh, he collaborated with uh, uh, Minister Jesse Moreland in 1915 to found what was then known as the Association for the Study of Negro Life in History, which is a group that was dedicated to celebrating and promoting the achievements of black people and other people of African descent. Today, that organization is known as the Association for the Study of African American Life and History. Um, Woodson is prominent for uh, several reasons. Uh, he was one of the first uh, scholars to engage in the study of the history of the African diaspora. Uh, he is the founder of the Journal of Negro History, founded that journal in 1916. Uh, and in 1926, in February of 1926, he launched the celebration of what was then known as Negro History Week. Negro History Week. Um, now, the idea of uh, the start being uh, a week um, centers on this idea that uh, this, this, this celebration, this week-long celebration, would coincide with the birthdays of both Abraham Lincoln on February 12th and Frederick Douglass on February 14th. And the initial focus of this week-long celebration was uh, rooted in getting schools and communities nationwide to organize various types of local celebrations, uh, establishing uh, history clubs, and to host various types of performances and lectures. And we can fast forward to the mid-1960s, to the late 1960s, when college students are uh, demanding courses uh, on African Americans and on African American history. Uh, there were protests demanding uh, the um, the founding of black studies departments in schools across uh, across the country, uh, in particular institutions of higher learning. 
Uh, and uh, as this is happening, there are calls for extending Negro History Week into a month-long celebration. Uh, this was happening uh, amongst groups uh, that were focused on Pan-Africanism, um, and uh, in particular, students at Kent State University in Ohio um, who uh, uh, hosted, in 1969, <clears throat> uh, the first uh, Black History Month. Uh, actually, that was in 1970. Uh, so the first celebration of Black History Month takes place at Kent State University in 1970. Six years later, Black History Month uh, was uh, obviously being celebrated all across the country um, in educational uh, institutions, uh, centers focused on uh, Black culture and, and community centers. Um, but 1976 is really important because it's when uh, then-President Gerald Ford officially recognized Black History Month. So uh, it's just a little bit of history uh, on Black History Month. And uh, again, I just want to highlight um, that even though we speak about Black History Month in the month of February, we recognize and ask our listeners to recognize that Black history is indeed American history. Thank you, Nate, uh, for a very powerful reflection, again, on the origin story of Black History Month. Um, I think it serves again, is another powerful example of the community coming together, organize themselves, many hands, many voices coming together for progress and liberation. Again, those are the type of things that I think are, are compelling and centering uh, Black History Month as, as we come upon this month. Um, so we're going to take a quick break. Um, and when we come back, we're going to share some of our own more personal reflections on this current moment. Um, and again, how that reflects on um, the celebration, the recognition of Black History Month. Stay tuned. We at the Ignatian Solidarity Network know that young leaders are the future of faith and justice work in our church and society. ISN is excited to announce three opportunities for high school students and faculty to build their leadership skills during the 2022 Arupe Leaders Summits. This February and March, join us in California, Maryland, or Ohio. This year's summits invite high school students along with faculty and staff attendees to deepen their understanding of a faith that does justice, connect with students and colleagues across the nation through discussion groups, highly interactive sessions and games, and become empowered to affect positive social change in their local and global communities. Register your delegation today at igsol.net forward slash arupe. That's I-G-S-O-L dot net forward slash arupe. So welcome back, everyone. Today we're talking about Black History Month and celebrating respectfully. At this point in time, I think it would be appropriate, Jamal, for us to share some reflections uh, on this year's Black History Month as well as the current moment. And uh, if it's cool with you, I'll go ahead and start us off. Is that cool? Yes, sir. All right. <clears throat> so uh, I'm, I'm reflecting on the more recent progress that's been made, of course, and I'm thinking about, uh, as an example, uh, the verdict in the Ahmaud Arbery case. Um, obviously, there's no, there is no justice uh, there, right? Justice would be Ahmaud Arbery uh, um, still being with us and jogging wherever he damn well pleases. Um, but uh, I think it's a step. Um, it's a step. It's a step in the right direction, and uh, that pushes me to. The other side of it, which we often talk about, which is recognizing that there's much more work to be done. 
generally speaking, the conversation and the work to bring about changes within policing. Uh, you know, we talked about voting rights today, uh, healthcare as we work through this pandemic, um, always education and, and several other areas has to continue. And, and I recognize that some of our listeners, you know, may wonder why we continue to, to talk about these things again and again. Um, but I think it drives home the point that, you know, these, com these conversations and progress in these areas, um, you know, we have to continue pushing. Uh, we have to con be consistent uh, in our quest because our lives are impacted on a daily basis by these uh, by these issues. Right. Um, and so so in my opinion, this is one of the realities of our community. It's one of the realities of the black community for blacks in this country. The push for equity and for justice and for fairness doesn't end. There is no there is no break. There is no. Uh, stopping to celebrate uh, without thinking about what might be around the corner. Um, and I don't think, you know, that push can ever end until, you know, the goals that we're speaking of uh, are accomplished. So so that's uh, my brief reflection. Jamal, I'm going to hand it over to you. Go ahead. Awesome. I mean, I, I'll pick up on that. And, you know, I think uh, if you're taking any look at my our bios, you know, up until this past year where I became a principal for the last 16 years, I've taught african-american history at the high school level and one of the constant kind of thoughts i've always thought is that um you know you could argue that american or african-american history or black history has been uh, uh as i said earlier a continuum of, of progress and backlash right if we think about kind of like um the larger arc of 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 the first africans coming to america to of being unfree of actually you know working their way to um um break out of their indentured servitude contracts to become landowners and things of that sort. And then ultimately, uh, for a lot of various reasons, we get into the mid 1600s and the idea of chattel slavery, slavery really, um, that dehumanized black folks and made, um, their condition, uh, in terms of slaves for life, a condition of their, the pigmentation of their skin color, um, that two, 300 years of history of, of the fight and struggle, uh, to, to unshackle ourselves from slavery, uh, to get to the dawn of a new day with re reconciliation, uh, I'm excuse me, reconstruction, which was kind of a, a an area uh, era of black progress, only to be gapped by the next kind of form of oppression and marginalization and dehumanization known as as Jim Crow America, uh, to to struggle and strive to create the civil rights movement to break out of uh, of many of those shackles that were holding us back, the segregation of Jim Crow America into the dawn of a new era, the civil rights era. Um, to then be ushered into the next kind of form of uh, uh, of obstacles in the in the in the face of of, of debilitating poverty and mass incarceration, um, um, and and to you know again go back to work to mine our our, our space to to fight through and and, and to see um, you know the the many racist and negative um, implications of mass incarceration. Uh, you know, and to and to see legislation come to try and you know look about policies that that are more equitable and fair, um, and in the way that we incarcerate folks, to then have George Floyd come about, right, and the movement for Black Lives to find itself centered um, in our American psyche, um, and I guess I would say you know to say all that I know which is a mouthful, that I'm not surprised that in 2022 we 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 are in the face of a coordinated 
backlash of the movement for black lives. You know, we see legislation popping up. I, I would say, first of all, we, we started with ideology, right? We, with the, the uh, demonization of, of critical race theory and culturally responsive teaching, um, the demonization of uh, stop the steal of the 2020 election um, and, and the demonization of all those folks of all hues of all ages that took to the streets and say enough is enough um, in the protesting of, of George Floyd's murder. Um, we're now seeing not only are those ideas being promulgated or the, 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 the opposition promulgate ideas around those, but they are now enacting legislation to not only squelch those ideas, but in many cases to criminalize those ideas. And so as I, as I think about my reflection or my dreams for Black History Month is that um, we continue to have this reconciliation with the truth um, and that, um, that, that those that are engaging in these celebrations are teaching these things, particularly to our young people, um, that they really are um, helping folks uh, understand that Black history is a living, breathing embodiment of progress and reform um, that is oftentimes followed by backlash and retrenchment. And that, as you said earlier, we can't stop fighting. We can't give up hope. Uh, we just have to understand that we're going to need um, and continue to need to develop new tools. I would argue a new consciousness, um, because what I would tell you is that um, I think if you study history in any shape, form, from the perspective of black folks in America, what we know is that the forms of oppression, moralization, and dehumanization always find a way to reshape themselves and return in various forms or fashions. And um, as we have said many times on this show, right, we got to stay ready so we don't have to get ready. So I'll kick it back to you, Nate. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I know, Jamal, we talked about this a, a few times. I just, as I'm hearing you um, share your thoughts on I'm reminded, um, I had a chance to visit uh, Ghana on a couple of occasions. Um, it's an amazing experience, uh, very humbling. Um, I've walked inside the slave dungeons uh, in Cape Coast, uh, and I, I've had a chance to learn about the types of terror, violence, and dehumanization that our ancestors uh, endured. Um, and as I'm here, I was hearing you, hearing you speak, uh, I'm reminded of the idea of resilience in our community, right? We're, we're still here. We're still here. Um, I'm reminded of uh, the fact that my father was born and raised in Daytona Beach, Florida uh, in the 19, or early 1940s. And I'm reminded of all the conversations we had regarding Jim Crow, um, all the ways that he was inconvenienced, um, having to be on you know a certain side of the neighborhood by the time the street lights came on, and, uh, not being able to to, to go and, and swim at the, at the public swimming pool and, um, you know, his high school being the, uh, the, the all black school, uh, that got the hand-me-down sports equipment, uh, from the white schools, you know, all those things, you know, uh, inconveniences, right? Not nearly as bad, not nearly as horrific as what our ancestors, our ancestors, you know, our, our enslaved ancestors endured, but still very much unacceptable, right? But, but we're still here. We're still here. So my my hope, um, you know, as we uh, move toward and, and through Black History Month um, is uh, that we continue to be resilient, uh, that we continue to make our ancestors proud, uh, that we stand strong and we don't give up the fight. As you said, uh, you know, um, uh, it's sad that we don't get that opportunity. Um, 
to 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 rest in certain respects. But um, you know, I know that we feel honored to uh, to continue to wage the battle. So, uh, so Jamal, having having said all that, uh, I'll turn it back over to you to, to bring us home, brother. My man, that is uh, so poignant, man. I, you know, we stand on the shoulders of our ancestors, and as I hear you talk about your dad, I'm I'm, I'm harking back to my own father. And growing up in segregated Houston, uh, to 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 my great grandfather Charles P. Adams, who was the founder of Gramley State University um, down in Gramley, uh, Louisiana, and all the stories that I learned growing up about his needing to fight the resistance to to to, to create an institution to help um, you know freedmen, you know those that are um, you know for a few decades uh, ago have been um, freed by the emancipation to build skills and education so that they can live uh and pursue i guess the american dream right of life liberty and happiness um and we are still here i love that and we are still here um so so in that in that, in that vein man uh thank you again for joining us um and listening to just conversations um a reminder we love to hear your thoughts and ideas your reflections on what we have to say so please take a moment send us a note we are checking the inbox just conversation at ignatiansolidarity.net. One more time, that's Just Conversations at ignatiansolidarity.net. We'd also like you to consider um, support of the work of the Ignatian Solidarity Network. Um, the network does some amazing things um, amazing. around a lot of social justice issues. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it, your donations, your, your, your treasures, sharing your treasures, uh, with the network really helps to keep work like our podcast and many, many other programs going. If you're interested uh, in helping, please head over um, to IgnatiusSolidarity.net slash donate and make your donations today. Those dollars uh, go to helping imagine a new, a better um, world um, in which we really are connected at the levels of solidarity, kinship, and mutuality. So again, if it's in your heart, if it's in your space, we love for you to donate to the uh, to the network. Again, if you head over to ignatiansolidarity.net slash donate, you can make your donation today. And lastly, tell a friend, tell a friend about this podcast and, and let them know that they can find us on iTunes or Spotify, share this conversation, let them know that we're involved um, and we want to invite everybody to the table, no matter if you're brand new or the most expert um, to engage in this DEI work, this anti-racism work. And we look forward to continue to journey with you um, and continue to create this space of love and growth um, and continue to use this as one of our ministries and ways of being um, persons with and for others. Take care. Have a blessed, blessed day. And thanks again for tuning in.